The Recap Book Chat duo is here. Time to get our brain cells in gear. And as Betty Smith said, the world is yours for the reading. And welcome to the Recap Book Chat. Thank you so much for stopping by. We are doing something a little bit different today because we are still in the middle of David Copperfield. So since it's back to school time, we are... We took a little moment to brainstorm, and we're going to highlight some books that have schooled us. And uh, first we said top five, and then we said top top six, and then so we're trying to get it to top seven. Books that changed us, because books are very, very, words are powerful, guys, and I hope you uh, will join us on this. We're just going to ping pong it back and forth. That's great for someone with ADHD, because that's how I fly anyway. So I'll start it. My first one is A Door in the Wall. And we've done a podcast on that. I read that to my class last year. And the main thing that I repeat in that one, I think we have it on a t-shirt. We do Thanks have it on to, a t-shirt. Yeah, Missy McCauley. She made a t-shirt. It strengthens thy heart to do a hard thing. So every time I have to go to the dentist or do something that's a struggle, I always have that t-shirt on. So what's your number one? I really like Door in the Wall. Um, I would, so my, and I'm kind of cheating because I'm putting three in one, but it's the series, it's the Madame Chic uh, series, and it's from um, Jennifer L. Scott. The first one is Lessons from Madame Chic, and uh, 20 Stylish Secrets I Learned While Living in Paris. Um, I think her next one was At Home with Madame Chic, Becoming a Connoisseur of Daily Life, and then Polish Your Poise with Madame Chic. But I love them. Um, if they want to check her out, they can go to the Daily Connoisseur. The day, oh, she has a wonderful YouTube channel that is so calming and inspirational, and she, I love her. So, what did what stuck with you? What stuck with me was that you don't really. It's not like you need a lot of money or anything to live well, and she's really going about. She talks about her travels from Paris when she was in. I think college, she stayed over there, did a study abroad thing, stayed with the family, and she was just amazed at how well they lived. And they didn't have a lot, but what they had was quality. So instead of in of buying a lot of things and then having to deal with clutter and da 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 and they buy very little but high quality that lasts a long time. And their wardrobe. She's the one that came up with the capsule wardrobe, and she has a TED Talk on that. That's how I discovered her. Then I thought you might like the book, and then there you go. And then you got all three of them. I think I sent you one book. And I love them. Yes, and each one's different, but they. she has so many good – there's mm-hmm. recipes, there's ideas, there's – Her latest oh. book is on kids. Yes, and I do have The Connoisseur for Kids, so I'm in the middle of that. I haven't finished it with because you go through that with your kids. But anyway, all that to say, love, love, love all of her stuff so far, and – it was impactful to me because it helped me slow down. slow down. It helped me get rid of a lot of clothes that I didn't wear. And then even the idea of the capsule wardrobe is awesome, even for kids, which I'm not there yet. I'm working on that. But I love the idea. And just living well, taking time, having that tea time, and slowing down. And, you know, I love that. So, okay, what's your number two? So, um, and, and I also got Elevenses from her. So we had par- uh, a tea party and we called it Elevenses because that's what I got that from her. My number two is, no surprise to anyone, The Count of Monte Cristo. Um, and it is, um, it, it's a commitment, but it, it, 
let me tell you, winter will be here before you know it. This would be a good book to snuggle up with and have a cup of tea and another cup of tea. <laughs> okay, how many people have you talked into reading it? Well, you and your dad and your brother, uh, Ashley Skipper, and my brother, who is in Arkansas. So quite a few people, Five. and no one actually has kicked me in the shins <laughs> for it, but... Um, and I asked Ashley what if if you could say what you got from that book, and she said patience. And so I'm going to steal her if I had to wrap it up in one word, patience. But there's many lessons. One is like bloom where you're planted, ask questions, and um, I, I I just love the part where he's with the Abe in prison. I mean, there's a whole lot, but it's an education. And I would say, man, everybody, I think everybody should read Count of Monte Cristo. I just sold. It's a great book. It really is. And it builds your confidence, too, as a reader, yes. because it is rather large, but it's really well written. And it's not very difficult to read, because it's, it's, but it's a lot of reading, but it's really good. Okay, so my next one would probably be, I'm going to say Unoffendable by Brant Hansen. It says, how just one change can make all of life better. And this, I loved how he takes... He takes things and makes it very simple because um, a lot of times religion and, and Christianity and all that can get very complicated, and he boils it back to where I think it should be and just makes it very simple about um, being unoffendable. And, and Oh, so that was your principle yeah. that recommended. I loved that. And so the, my takeaway is just you have to be in – you have to set your intention to be unoffendable. You don't just automatically – someone wrongs you and you just let it go, you have to start the day with, today, I am not going to be offended. I'm going to be unoffendable. You know, you're going to just give grace and you set that intention and it makes it easier throughout the day. But so many good things in there. Highly recommend. Actually, I want to read his, here's another one come out, I think about misfits Mm -hmm. that I want to read. But so definitely add that. I would add that to a list. Number three for me, uh, and these, mine really, you know, are not in exact order, but People Fuel came up uh, in my thoughts because I was thinking that uh, there's a lot of lessons from this book, but four things uh, I, I wrote down would be present, convey the good, provide reality, call to action. So uh, as everybody's getting in a routine and everything, it's, it's easy not to be present. It, you want to get your list done. But enjoy the process of getting your list done. Oh, backpacks, check it off. Oh, back to school night, check it off. And enjoy that whole process. And then also in this, know that there are some toxic people out there. And I I think you should um, avoid, avoid some toxic people. And that went in with, I think people feel tied with uh, Count of Monte Cristo because in people feel he calls it the clarifying question. And that's what the Abe would ask. Um, the count, you know, who would benefit from you being in prison? Well, we can ask the clarifying questions. Instead of asking, um, what, uh, tell me about your day to your uh, child, you might ask, what was the most important thing? Or what is it, what surprised you today? Or, you know, what did you like about uh, science? Or be, be kind of intentional about that. And anyway, clarifying questions and, and just keep asking those. That's good. I like that. And I will use that today yeah. when we pick up the kids from school. Today was the first day of school. Yeah. So, perfect day to do this. Perfect. 
for I, for my next one, I will probably go with um, Anna Karenina by Leo Tolstoy. And that, for me, wasn't necessarily the literature or wasn't necessarily the, the content. It was just more of the fact that that was my first really big classical novel. Um, and you talked me into that, and I was like... Well, it, Teddy Roosevelt. Well, and it was Russian <laughs> literature. That was my first novel that I had read from that was a from a different country, really. And it just really expanded my thinking, and it gave me confidence as a reader. And so I put that as impactful because... It was one that seemed very daunting. And then once you get into it, you're like, you know what? I mean, times are changing. This is like hundreds and hundreds of years ago, right? Like when that was written. But we're like, people are people. And so there's they're still, still dealing with the same problems. And we can learn from their problems even back then. Anyway, I just loved it. And it really, and I really like Russian literature now. It like, Tolst- then after that, it spurred us to read uh, war and peace. And then we went on to read Dostoevsky's crime and punishment. And like, it really opened up a whole lot. So that was why that was impactful. Don't be afraid. And I think that is easy to be afraid. Yeah. You may, you, you started before me and you said, Oh yeah, it's really good. And I'm like, what? You, You started it? So. But I would never have started it without you. You're the one that. Well, I gave you the book. Yeah, you gave me the book, but you and opened so. It. <laughs> <laughs> so I have um, Goliath Must Fall, winning the battle against your giants. And the big takeaway on that book is that, you know, in the story of David and Goliath, we don't get to be David. We want to be David, but we're really not David. Jesus is David, and he fights our battles for us. And but and then in this, I even uh, I, I got. This was kind of special because I got this recommendation from someone um, that was in jail. And they read this book and they were talking about the um, giant of comfort. Kind of struck me as one that I don't think we talk about a lot. We do tend to want to be comfortable. And when you hear people say, that's out of my comfort zone. Well, that's probably where we need to be. We need to be out of our comfort zone. Because if you're always in your comfort zone, you're really not recharging as much as you thought. And we learned that in the ADHD book. We think we're recharging when we're in our comfort zone, but we're really not. We're slowly, but we need to be in the green where we're produ- being productive and stuff. So Goliath Must Fall, great book. That's a great connection, too, because, yeah, that's the blue quadrant, right? The one where you're... It's sticky like molasses, it's sticky as molasses in Candyland, molasses swamp. But I think I've heard people say, I'm just going to veg out on Netflix or something. And they think that that's going to recharge them. But then I've also heard those people say, I just can't get it going. I can't get it together. Well, that's why. That made sense to me. You know, it's funny because I, I'm a nine on the Enneagram. And that's one thing that I never really understood about myself until reading that book, which I didn't actually put that in my <laughs> impactful list. But what you're saying, like I, they say that for nines, the, what stays in, an object in motion stays in motion, an object at rest stays at rest. And that is something for nines. And I'm like, that is so true. If I get, if I'm on a project, it's really hard for me to stop. I mean, when we were doing, building our house and stuff, like I was up late at night doing tile and everything. It was hard for me to stop because I'm going. But then it's hard for me to get going once I'm stop, once I'm at rest. It's hard for me to. So, but anyway, that number next. So would probably, for me, I'm going to say boundaries. Uh, Dr. Henry Cloud, Dr. John Townsend, 
um, when to say yes, how to say no, to take control of your life. Uh, I really need to read this every year. So, so good. I didn't even realize how bad I was at boundaries until I read this book. And I'm like, man, uh, and then you're still struggling. I, I still struggle, <laughs> but I, I have, there's probably, I'm progressing. And, and you know, from him, I think my takeaway was no is a complete sentence. You don't have to explain yourself. And if someone doesn't respect your no, uh, that shows what kind of person they are. And so those are people you don't want in your life. Um, the people that don't respect your boundaries or you say no, and then they push and push and push. That's that right there is a red flag. So I'm like, okay. And, but there's so many good things in there about setting boundaries. And even more importantly, probably is maintaining boundaries. And that is probably more difficult than even setting them is keeping them in. And anyway, so, so that was a great, that was so, so impactful for me, uh, to learn that about myself, something that I wasn't really taking care of myself by building that fence. So number next for you. And I would say never set a boundary that you're not going to enforce mm -hmm. because if you do, you didn't set a boundary. That's kind of like rules or whatnot. You need people understand them if you set them. Well, uh, we did not do a podcast on this, but I've given it to you. This book is called the gift of failure, uh, by Jessica Leahy. I think is how Leahy L A H E Y. And wow, there's tons of, uh, great stuff in here for parents. And um, one thing that it, that everybody's doing now, I think most people, if they've read a book at all on child rearing, you're not just praising your kid for nothing. Like, oh, you're awesome. You're smart. Because that's not good. But she said, praise for resilience. Oh, that's great. You fell down and you got back up. Praise for that doggedness that determined that, you know, that they won't give up. And I think I put... Um, Learning that comes without cha with challenge is stored more effectively. I did not know that. So I've heard about, um, other books said productive struggle, and that's what we're talking about here. So it's really good if it doesn't come easy. That's interesting. And I did have a, a algebra teacher when I was in high school, and he said he was a C student, you know, and well, my thinking, I was like, really? That's, that's what we got here. That we got a C student. He said, and he just, a better teacher than his friend, his roommate was an A student, but he had no patience. He was like, don't you get it? You don't get it? And he said, I worked hard to get my math degree and I can explain it. And I thought, wow. And another one, which I kind of uh, am tying this with things you always say, but parent for tomorrow, not just for today. I thought that was good because you always That's say. That's so good. What is your quote that you always say? Oh, do something tomorrow that you'll thank yourself for today. Yeah. There you go. Next. Number next. That was so good. I have not, I'm, that's on my list to read. I want to read that, The Gift of Failure. So thank you for, I love that, um, the quote. Yeah, but we, parent for tomorrow, not just for today. And if I think that would help you in a lot of things, like if Johnny comes home and he's distraught and all that, don't solve it right then. Well, I'll go up and knock the snot out of Freddy or whatnot, that's not going to solve anything. But you want to see the long thing, like what can we do to solve it? I had some really good parents in the past and they, they got together and they let the kids talk and solve that problem, but they were always forward thinking, which is very impressive. That is very impressive. And I think that's important to know too, that, that the challenging thing, the struggle is good because that's 
so and it's hard. That's super hard to watch your kids struggle. But I think it's important to let them know, to let them struggle, but also let them know, hey, I'm I'm here and you're supported, you know, if it gets over their head. but Well, that made me think of when you learned to drive a stick, you did not like it and you let me know that the car was stupid and all that. But when you did get it, you were so excited mm. and you probably still could drive a stick today. Oh, I can. And I appreciate that. You know, that's, I think that's almost a lost art, <laughs> driving a standard. Okay, number next is going to be the five love languages. Um, we did the podcast on the five love languages of children, which is the Gary Chapman and Ross Campbell. But I I think his other one is the original, just the five. They're all good. But the, the one we did a podcast on was for kids. But I think knowing the five love languages is just so vital. I feel like that should just be – that should be taught in school because – we're all people and we need to know that not everyone receives love the same. Not everyone gives love the same. And I, for especially marriages, it's so important. But even for kids, it's so important to know, okay, what do you think? What is their best way of receiving love? Because that's the one you want to speak. And you want to speak them all, but make sure that they get that one that is their love language. So it really makes your life a lot easier because like my son-in-law, it doesn't like gifts. So man, he, he likes words of affirmation. Hey, that saves me a lot of time and energy. My, my husband keeps saying, did you get him a gift? I said, I'm going to tell him he's doing a great job. <laughs> and he does. You can tell. Yeah. He appreciates words mean more to him than gifts. And so it's, Cha-ching. and so those, those are the five love languages. If you haven't heard of it, it's, um, acts of service. Like um, unloading the dishwasher, laundry, that'd be acts of service. Um, gifts, uh, words of affirmation, which is like praise, specific praise for specific things that you like about whatever it is they're, they are or what they're doing. Um, physical touch, which is not sexual touch. It is. It means like hugs and basically hugs, kisses, pats on the back, like that type of physical touch. And... Quality. And then quality time is the last one. So those are the five love languages. The and quality time. It has to be quality time of their choosing. Like if you like to watch a Hallmark movie, that's not probably going to be quality time with your kid. Come here, let's watch a Hallmark. It'd have to be, you would have to watch another, something they would like. Or play Legos or yeah. something. Whatever they're into. Good point. Okay, number next. Okay, I had two for the price of one. Grit and the Mindset Book by Carol DeWick, which really kind of go together. So at this time of year is a good time to just refocus on growth mindset and fixed mindset. And instead of saying, I can't do that, ask yourself, how can I do that? Which is from The Hungry Place, which I love that book. Or the, what did it say? I can't do that yet. Right. The power of yet. Mm -hmm. So just encourage the struggle is real, but so is Jesus. So, you know, you just keep going on. And that those both are really good uh, resources to have. And I think the grit lady, Angela Duckworth, she has a TED Talk as well, I think. So uh, just they go together. And I think that's what you have, you're trying to instill in your boys, um, grit. Like school is a good place to get grit. Because you, you, you're not the center of attention and you have to deal with people. And, you know, when you deal with people, it gets dicey. And I just think we need grit and we need to check our mindset because you, you go back and forth all day, you know, but there you go. I agree. Like that's 
one of the reasons, you know, I want my kids to have a good education, but really I feel like after reading that book, grit is really more important because you can always learn more, but grit is something that takes time and intentionality and effort and effort to get. And so, yeah, going to school is a great way to get grit. And I, that was one thing I took from hers too, that she said, if their child wants to do something, they have to do it for minimum of a year because that if any if you do something for less than that it's not going to do develop grit and so if they want to play clarinet if they want to be in the band if they want to play a sport then or whatever the season is but you i mean you say okay this is you can't let them get out of it if they sign up this is for we're we're going the whole thing mm-hmm. so which which is hard and another thing i remember just when you said that was never quit on a bad day yes so i mean because we all have bad days but we don't need to quit on a bad day so go in and quit on a good day, but don't quit on a bad day. I thought that was good. I love that. We've said that that's a family value because we've said that. we, Even my husband and me, we've both, at different times, it's like for different things, it's like where you want to quit, he's like, well, but you can't quit on a bad day. So if you want to quit on a good day, which you don't want to quit on a good day. So, okay, number next, I'm going to say The Last Green Valley by Mark Sullivan and he was the author of Beneath a Scarlet Sky, which is also really good. The The reason I picked this one as my book that schooled me was I use the quote in there a lot that things don't happen to you. They happen for you. Life. Life. life so doesn't happen. life doesn't happen to you. It happens for you. And it just changes everything from that victim mentality of, oh, you know, I had a bad childhood or... Uh, like my my husband has ADHD or <laughs> whatever it is, like totally random. It's totally random. <laughs> yeah, just gonna yeah. Anyway, but it takes something from oh my life is so hard and why does this happen to me to okay what's the lesson in this and it changes it because it's happening for me. So there's something I need from this. There's a reason. There's a growth that I can get from this. And I love that the main character in the book she said that. And she had gone through, oh, horrible struggles, horrible struggles, and seen horrible things. And for her to come out on the other side and and say that it happened for her, I'm just like, oh, it gives me chill bumps. So, Yeah, I heard someone say, everyone you meet is either a lesson or a blessing. So, and that's true. If you meet a difficult person, you say, well, why did that happen? Well, that's a, that's a lesson. What, you know, now you know how not to act. Sometimes it's good if it, or a blessing, either one. Oh, I didn't say what that, I, so it's about, uh, it, it takes place in 1944. I forgot to say what this is. It's historical fiction. And it's about Stalin's forces going into Ukraine. And so um, the you have, which I didn't really, oh, that's another thing I learned. I didn't know really the. He was a creep. Yeah, how bad Stalin was and what all went on. And so they're leaving a bad situation and going into a bad situation, trying to get, yeah. So then they hit the Nazis and all this, but join them on the journey. So, but if you like World War Two, you this will you'll learn something new from that. So it's really good. Uh, speaking of World War Two, one of mine that this goes with grit. I didn't read them at the exact same time, but Unbroken by Laura Hildebrand. Uh, Hildebrand is is gritty. Because she has, uh, I think Kate looked it up, she has she s- struggles with a disease that kind of incapacitates her. So she wrote a lot of the book sitting on the floor, and she couldn't hardly see she's writing it. But then the guy, 
uh, Louis uh, is a, and, and I didn't know anything about Japan being, I, I mean, I know, I know they were in it, but he was a POW in Japan treated <gasps> horrifically. And then the whole thing, there are some pictures in here that I cannot get out of my mind. It is just, and the fact that he survived that is unbelievable. I know they made a movie, guys. I know that, but trust me, the book is always better. It is unbroken. Wow. So good. Uh, yeah, I learned a lot from about the Pacific uh, during World War II, and I, I just didn't know how many what went on there and, and how many pilots went down, too, in the Pacific. And um, So that's definitely something, but very good. Gritty. Very good book. Um, I'm going to have to put my number next as The Tech Wise Family by Andy Crouch. Everyday Steps for Putting Technology in Its Proper Place. Boy, it's a small book, but it packs a punch, and it's real easy to read, and I love, he has all these cool diagrams in there, a lot of statistics, but very impactful, and I think um, one of the best things I got from this book was about the living room and how it needs to be a space where there is things that are not techie, so there needs to be spaces for creativity, there needs to be books, there needs to be musical instruments there needs to be things where um, you can gather and create as a family and different things like that. And play. so, and play. And and I had a piano, an electronic piano in my room for years, five years or so, and no one really played it. And after reading this book, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to put that in the living room. And so we rearranged some stuff, got out of the living room. Um, and then I I took piano as a, ki- a kid, and so my kids were wanting me to teach them how to read. So we started doing that. And then my husband, who's never even played a piano, like was learning how to play a song too. And I'm like, this is awesome. And so, and it's, it is very different than listening to music because not that there's anything wrong with listening to music, but he said, y- you definitely don't want to consume more than you create. And so we, you know, and we consume a lot of music. And so it's different when you're creating it. Even, when I'm cooking supper, sometimes my oldest will just be playing kind of his own song, and it's I love it. It's great. So uh, there's and there's so much more in there, but the TechWise family definitely helps with some ideas about how not to let technology uh, take control. And I used that book too. Uh, I had a friend uh, who was having a 50th wedding anniversary, and I purposefully purpose that's hard to say purposefully. Put it on the calendar and went to that, um, and I wouldn't have before I read that book. But he said, always do things that only happen once. So that means show up to the funerals and the weddings and, you know, which I'm not good at that because I, because I have a little ADHD struggle. Calendars are not my friend at all, but, you know, I did it. And then she was, you know, it's good to see her and everything. And I felt really good, but I have to give a, I have to give the credit to the book. So books change you. Mm-hmm. They do. They really make your world a lot, a lot. I, what do you want to enlarge your world, basically? But and I felt really good about it. My la- this is my last one, uh, and it is an old one it, that um, it's called the. It's funny that it's called the New Read Aloud Handbook by Jim Trelease, but it's not new. It is very old. And you can get one uh, from Thriftbook and stuff, but there's different, uh, different. I think it came out different editions. 
I don't know which edition. This is maybe one of the first ones, but I give this the credit to having read aloud to my kids. And and since I'm a teacher, I know good books and, and life is limited and you don't want to waste your time reading the bad books. And some books are better to read aloud than others. And so he's done some of the heavy lifting and there's lists in here. There's wordless books when they're little to look at them. And then you go through picture, picture books, short novels, and this is what I used on my kids when they were little. And I don't think we read a bad read aloud book. And this also, and, and I didn't get to read everyone in here, of course, but so if we found, like, I remember we found, um, Theodore Taylor, he wrote the K. Then we found another book because you like dogs and we read one about a blind dog who was led by another dog, you know, and stuff like that. So it will open some doors. There's other read aloud books that are out there, but this still is my favorite one because it's a giant treasury of books and he does the hard work. And I think um, this was just um, such a good resource. I mean, there's old ones in there and you can buy those on. When I was doing it, it was hard to get these books, but now put it out there. It, it changed your life because uh, I did not have anybody that read to me, but. And I appreciate that. And yes, you did. I, I don't think we did get a bad read aloud. I think we enjoyed at some level every book you read. There might have been some I was more into for if it had something more of my interest. But even if it wasn't my interest, it was still a good read. And so, yeah, there was never anything you read that I didn't like. And we read a lot. You read a lot of read alouds to us. Okay, my last one is Jacqueline Winspear's Maisie Dobbs, and it is wonderful. And so my friend uh, told me, I have a book friend from college that we still text every once in a while, and she told me that she had gotten into this series, and I think she's read every one. And, and I'm like, I think we talked about it. We did a podcast on this, and I'm not a huge series person, but I could, we've already read book one and two. I could, I could see me going all the way on the Maisie Dobbs series. So good. Uh, she's a wonderful character and I think it, she's impactful because I learn a lot from her as far as how she deals with problems and how she deals with things that are stressful because she's going into like crime scenes. She's trying to figure out murder. Sometimes she's dealing with the murder herself and she's just, I love her. Demeanor. Her demeanor, the way she handles things, and um, just very inspirational character. And then you learn stuff too through this book, the historical facts and everything. So, um, but yeah, I I really think it's when you finish it, I'm just like you. You just want a cup of tea. Yes. So a cuppa. You want a cuppa. Well, we hope you enjoyed um, getting schooled with us, and um, I'm excited to learn more. And we hope that. Uh, Sometimes, sometimes soon we will finish David Copperfield, but sometimes you need to curveball. So this is a curveball, but keep those book lights burning and those pages turning. And we'll see you on the next one.